Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, September 21st. I'm your host, Terry Arango, with my guests, National Autism Association President Wendy Fournier and Executive Director Rita Schreffler. Lori McElwain, Chairperson of the Board of the National Autism Association, couldn't be here today, but I'd like to open with her words from an upcoming article she's written on our very important topic today. I received a call from a woman explaining that our seven-year-old was sitting in a police cruiser after being found by a random stranger. Connor had wandered from the school grounds, and although no one could tell us how long he was gone, it was clear that he made his way through some woods and onto a side street where he then proceeded towards a four-lane road. A local man named Anthony was on his way to the post office when he spotted Connor. He convinced himself that Connor was old enough to walk alone, but decided to turn around and speak with him just in case. After getting a lot of non-answers, Anthony put him in his car and called the police. Connor told the officer he was going on an adventure to touch his favorite highway exit sign. He had wandered several times in the past for multiple schools, but this was the worst yet. Although we had become the squeaky wheel parents who insisted on close supervision and tightened security, it obviously wasn't enough. It came down to either locking him in our house for good or finding ways to address all aspects of his particular wandering tendencies, starting with his obsession with exit signs. Around that same time, another little boy went missing in Michigan. Same age, same diagnosis. He was found dead. I've never had to know what it's like to have my child still missing after the sun goes down. I've never had to receive a call telling me my child was gone. Welcome, Wendy and Rita. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, Terry. What information do we have on how many children with autism wander and how many children with autism die as a result? Well, while there are no formal tracking methods in place at this time, Terry, we do know certainly anecdotally uh, these headlines and the stories uh, that you just read, very powerful. They seem to be happening more and more. Um, and uh, three years ago, NAA conducted a survey on wandering, and 92% of parents and caregivers who responded reported that their children diagnosed with autism had a tendency to wander away from safe environments. And as a parent of two children who at one time were runners, I, I know personally how um, terrifying this is and how important it is that we have something in place to prevent things like this from ever happening again. And I believe that uh, there was a study in 2001 by a California research team. Correct. Correct. Um, they found elevated death rates among um, those with autism spectrum disorders, and in large part these were attributed to drowning. And then a more recent study in 2008 uh, from Denmark found that the mortality rate among the autism spectrum disorder population is twice as high as in the general population. One of... Um one of the sad stories that we read was about 
a seven-year-old boy with autism who died after spending two days in in sub-freezing temperatures. And that is something that no parent wants to think about. No parent wants to think about their child coming to any harm whatsoever in general, um, and certainly not an, an agonizing demise. So uh, what is in place? Do amber and silver alerts cover our children? Well, unfortunately, not usually. Now, it will vary from state to state, but actually amber alerts were designed for children that have been abducted, and generally this won't be used for children that have wandered away as opposed to being forcibly taken away. And then silver alerts were put in place to cover, usually it's older adults that have wandered away, often due to Alzheimer's, so this doesn't address the issue of wandering among minors. Does the American Academy of Pediatrics provide any safety measures, any prevention materials? Well, we've had some conversations with them, and these conversations are ongoing. It's certainly our hope that we can work with them to get these materials into the hands of parents, pediatricians obviously being on the front lines of of contact with families who might be affected one day by this. Very good. Thank you for those efforts. So insofar as prevention, what are the first things that parents should do? Well, we recommend that families devise a a family wandering emergency plan, and there's a template for this on the AWARE website, and that's www.awaare.org. And I think it's a great idea to sit down and devise a plan before an emergency occurs and be prepared for it in case it happens and uh, keep all of this information in a safe place, maybe a lockbox somewhere it's easily accessible. Uh, We also recommend writing a letter to IEP teams so that school personnel are fully aware that wandering is a potential for for your child. Uh, There's a template for that as well on the AWARE uh, website. Other prevention measures families can take are installing deadbolts. It would be the kind that require keys on both sides. They can install home security alarm systems, and there are also inexpensive battery-operated alarms that go on uh, doors and windows. Uh, something as simple as a hook and eye lock on doors, as long as it's out of uh, the child's reach. We can build fences around our yards. Uh, there are also some stop signs that can be printed out and to adhere to doors and windows, gates, anywhere where there's an opportunity for escape from the safe environment. We also recommend swimming lessons, very important, as so many of these wandering incidents, as we were just talking about, have ended in drowning deaths. Right, and if you have an enclosed backyard, you need to be careful not to have trees. If your child's a climber, not to have trees that they can climb and then make it over uh, whatever wall is there or fence is there. Absolutely. That's a great point. Well, I know that um, you have looked into various tracking systems. Uh, Can you describe Project Lifesaver to us and the other tracking options that are available to families? I can help you with that, Terry. Um, there are there are three primary tracking device technologies that are available right now to the public. The Project Lifesaver program that you mentioned um, is a radio frequency program, and how it works is um, the child or an adult who is at risk of wandering wears a wristband that has a transponder on it, and um, it, it's about the size of a watch, and it emits a unique radio signal for each wearer. And if the wearer were to go missing, 
um, the family and caregivers would call their local first responders who are running the Project Lifesaver program. Many times this is run by a sheriff's department, a fire department, or a local police department. And they have receiving equipment that they can go out and do a search for the child with. Um, their equipment is tuned to look for the specific uh, radio signal from the, the person who's wandered. And typically, um, they will find the person who's missing in less than 30 minutes. There's a 100% success, success rate with this program, and uh, it works very, very well. So that's a good technology to use. It's been proven time and time again as effective. Um, the one drawback to using Project Lifesaver and the radio technology, um, which is also offered by LOJAC, is that you do have to have a first responder unit um, who is trained to run the program and who has the equipment to run the program. So if it's available in your area, which you can find out by visiting projectlifesaver.org, um, you can get your child signed up. And if it isn't, then you need to work on um, your first responders in the area to see if they're willing to implement the program and help to raise some funding for that. If that type of a radio signal program is not available in your local area, there are other technologies that are on the market uh, direct to consumers, and they are GPS systems and cell-based systems. Um, and so the GPS systems work just like your cell phone, and um, it's, again, a wristband type of device where, where the caregiver can actually get onto the Internet and track the person who's missing themselves by looking for that GPS signal. The cell systems also involve first responders where a call is made to the police department or 911 is integrated with the 911 system and the first responders are able to access the information through the Internet uh, to locate the person who is missing. And we do have very detailed information on all three technologies um, at the AWARE website, aware.org. And parents really need to look at the different technologies that are available to determine what system is most likely to work best for their own child's needs. There are you know, benefits and, and drawbacks to each different type of technology, so it really needs to be suited to the individual. Well, really, thank you for that information, Wendy, sure. and bless the National Autism Association for doing this in-depth research on all of these systems so that that information is conveniently available for parents. And we're going to talk more about the AWARE collaboration when we come back from break, which is at AWARE, A-W-A-A-R-E dot org. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Enz Medica. We'll be right back with Wendy Fournier and Rita Schreffler of the National Autism Association. Please stay tuned. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Wendy Fournier, President, and Rita Schreffler, Executive Director of the National Autism Association. And if you have just tuned in, we are talking about a vital topic, that of the risks of wandering to individuals in the autism uh, population and the risk of death to them. Uh, We know that um, a 2008 Danish study found that the mortality rate among the autism population is twice as high as the general population, and Rita was sharing with us that there was a 2001 study where a California research team uh, attributed elevated death rates within the autism community in large part to drowning, and drowning often occurs after a child or adult with autism has wandered out. But aside from this, uh, Wendy and Rita, do we have uh, good statistics, good data on the scope, the magnitude of the risk, this problem? Unfortunately, Terry, we do not have good data on this. And um, Lori McElwain, our chairperson and co-founder, had written a statement um, that was read at the um, Interagency Autism Coordinating Committee meeting at NIH. They handle everything autism there. And um, uh, let them know about what a serious problem this is and how many, how many kids we've lost, how many children have died just, just very recently. There's a very long and sad list of them. 
and that we really do need to address this issue. And um, there was great interest at IACC generated by that statement that she wrote, and they've invited Lori and I to come to their next meeting in Washington, which is going to happen on October 22nd, and we'll be presenting um, about a 20-minute presentation there to the members of IACC to, to tell them what we do know based on the research that we've been able to compile and really to plea with our federal health agencies to get us the data that we need. There are a lot of questions that have to be answered um, as far as, you know, the incidents, how often this is happening, how, um, how big the percentage is of the autism community that is affected and in danger of wandering. Um, and we need to know not only how often it's happening, but where incidents are happening most. Is it at home? Is it from schools? Um, and once we can determine where it's happening most often, we can then move forward to putting the proper prevention techniques into place for these children, whether it's, uh, you know, fencing, signage, locks on the doors, gates. Um, we need to know where it's happening, um, who the caregivers are, who needs support, what types of safety programs need to be put into place to protect these kids. And then we have to know what are the most effective means of prevention. And, you know, this is, this is information that we can gather from the community. Um, so we're, we're hoping very much that the CDC will, um, will take a, a leap here and do some kind of a survey uh, within, within the autism community to answer these questions and to help us to implement prevention strategies. Well, I, I, I hate to ask the following question because the, the individual's life is always the most important thing, but has a cost-benefit analysis of any sort been done um, of how much, um, how much state or, or other agencies or resources can save by preventing incidents from occurring as opposed to having to do search missions, et cetera? Well, no formal studies have been done on that, and that needs to be part of this data that they, that they gather. But based on anecdotal research um, that we've done, we, when you have a search and rescue mission that's put into place for somebody who's missing, it, it runs into tens of thousands of dollars each time someone goes missing. We had um, a local search here for a gentleman who had Alzheimer's, and the search lasted just over 24 hours. Um, he was found less than a quarter of a mile from his house. Had he had some kind of a tracking device on him, he would have been found immediately. But instead, it took 24 hours to find this man, and it cost um, upwards of $40,000 to the town for overtime for search personnel. Um, and sadly, um, because he was out um, exposed to the elements for so long, um, he ended up passing away in the hospital after he was found. So a huge amount of money goes into search efforts, and when you can prevent that by providing a tracking device to someone who you know is at risk, um, that can be done so inexpensively, and we really would like to see that available. It will, in the long run, save money for towns who are having to do search and rescue efforts. Well, again, bless you for doing all of that research that you did about the tracking devices that you were describing before the break and for going forward to the IACC and NIH to describe this uh, very vital issue, this, this problem. Um, these materials 
the, the sampling of available tracking devices, as uh, Rita alluded to and you, can be found on the AWARE, A-W-A-A-R-E dot org website. So can you please tell us about the AWARE collaboration, how that came to, to be, and uh, the resources available through it? Well, because uh, obviously this is such a huge concern throughout the autism community, um, NAA decided to reach out to other autism organizations who shared the same safety concerns, and we formed a collaboration to bring attention to wandering and how parents and professionals can work together on prevention. Our mission is to prevent autism-related wandering incidents and deaths, and uh, we're actually uh, a working collaboration, and the groups involved in addition to NAA are Autism One, Autism Speaks, uh, the Doug Flutie Junior Foundation for Autism, the Hollyrod Foundation, and TACA. And as we've said before, the website is awaare.org, and there's a wealth of information there for parents. There's safety tips, prevention tips. Um, as we talked about before, a very important, the Family Wandering Emergency Plan. There's a template for that for people to use, a template for the IEP letter, uh, lots of additional resources for more information, and also uh, the FAQs, the Frequently Asked Questions, are very good, very informative. So we hope people will take advantage of that resource. So this website, awaare.org, has materials suitable to educate not only those in the autism community, but the medical community, educators, first responders, lawmakers, media, and the general public about autism elopement and deaths. Now, we talked about the American Academy of Pediatrics earlier. Um, are, is there any sort of a plan or is there any way people can help get these print-ready brochures into the hands of pediatricians' offices across the country? Sure. Uh, there's a downloadable brochure that has uh, a lot of the information that we've been discussing. Parents can print that out and take it, or they can request it from uh, our main office, National Autism Association, and we'll get those. It would be, it's perfect to have them like in pediatricians' waiting rooms. Uh, it's, it would be wonderful to have that information readily available to parents coming in to see their doctors. Yeah, I would think, you know, even if every listener could, you know, print out uh, a few copies of this and uh, put it up on uh, bulletin boards at their local borders, Barnes & Noble, pediatricians' offices, um, therapists' offices, parks, anywhere that you can pin this up on a bulletin board where it could conceivably be helpful. Let's talk about the National Autism Association's FOUND program, another fine program of NAA. Well, FOUND uh, was established, again, to combat these the wandering-related incidents that seem to be occurring with greater frequency, and it's a grant program we created to assist first responders in counties around the country in order to obtain the tracking devices that, that Wendy was describing earlier. All right, but if the unthinkable happens, and your child goes missing, what are the first things you should do? We talked about prevention. Now, if there's a gap in the fence at school and your child actually goes missing, what are the first things that should happen? Well, obviously, call 911 immediately. Um, as soon as you realize that your child is missing from the home, be prepared to give a complete description of your child. Uh, also, provide the diagnosis and state that they're endangered and that they really have no sense of danger. Uh, if there's a radio frequency tracking number, be prepared to, to supply that to them. Um, the time that you noticed your child was missing 
And I would go ahead and request an Amber Alert if your child is a minor or if your child is an adult, request a Silver Alert. All right. There's also, Terry, a first responder alert form that's on the AWARE site. And if you, you know, if parents are listening that have a child who's at risk of wandering, it's really vital that you go online and, and print that out, fill it out, and deliver that to your local police department or sheriff's office because they will already have on hand all of the vital information that they would need um, should your child go missing. And would you recommend also printing out um, one of these forms and making sure that the school has a copy of it too, or is that in the IEP? Um, it, well, you can definitely include that to the school and give instructions if your child is at risk of wandering, and this is certainly something that should be addressed in an IEP. We've, we, just, we are doing that uh, with my daughter right now where it's becoming um, an attachment to her IEP where there is a protocol that's to be followed should she become missing uh, during school hours. Thank you, Wendy. Yes, I think that parents shouldn't take it for granted that the school is going to be doing things the way the parents would wish they would be done. And it's always, uh, I think it's always safe to have things written into IEPs. Well, when we come back from break, let's talk about the National Autism Association's National Autism Conference, November 11th through 14th in Tampa. And if listeners would like to take a look at the website while we're at break for a couple of minutes here, they can visit www.nationalautism.org. Did I get that right, Wendy? Uh, NationalAutismConference.org for conference information. Ah, better. Okay, very good. Thank you. Okay, and we'll be right back from break. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Mark your calendar and set an alarm so you do not miss the highly acclaimed talk show, Holistic Living with Tina Marie and Todd Allen. 
Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, and 10 a.m. Pacific for inspirational, oftentimes edgy discussions on all that life brings our way with celebrity guests, world-famous authors, and everyday people dedicated to sharing positive, uplifting messages. Tina Marie and Todd Allen bring you the very best in talk radio discussions, guaranteed to make you smile. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Rita Schreffler, Executive Director, and Wendy Fournier, President of the National Autism Association. We've been talking about the National Autism Association's efforts towards reducing risk from wandering and wandering-related deaths. Um, If you don't know about the programs of the National Autism Association, such as Family First, Found, Helping Hand, I encourage you to visit their website, www.nationalautism.org, and their conference website, www.nationalautismconference.org, to learn more about the very fine things that these wonderful people provide for our children and families. So let's talk some more about the National Autism Association's National Autism Conference, which is November 11th through 14th in Tampa. Which speakers there will be covering safety issues such as those of which we spoke? We're going to have Lori McElwain covering that issue along with Chief Gene Saunders, who is the CEO of Project Lifesaver. Excellent. Uh, excellent. And could you describe those more, those seminars? Um, the different speakers that we have, or the safety the in safety. particular? Well, Lori and Jean are going to be talking about um, what we found so far as far as information on um, wandering and elopement in the autism community. Um, they're going to talk about implementing safety measures at home, um, this, the family wandering emergency plan, how to do that, um, discussions that you should have with your local first responders and your school district, and um, the different technologies that are available to help. And in that same presentation going on that safety theme, um, Lori is also going to be discussing restraint and seclusion um, in schools, which is a very hot topic right now. And there's some legislation pending in Washington about this. Um, But we are really concerned with restraint and seclusion happening in schools, kids being injured, um, being put in seclusion rooms uh, where they are not safe and not being monitored. Um, so this is this is something that parents, um, in addition to wandering, also need to address in their IEPs. Yes, restraint, seclusion, and abuse at uh, schools is uh, that's another way that uh, children have actually died. And this is another campaign that the National Autism Association has actually spearheaded and has really been uh, pushing for legislation to protect our children. So thank you again from that. I know that at the conference, a new name that a lot of listeners want to know more about is Dr. Roya Ostevar. Yes, I'm very excited to have Dr. Ostevar coming. She is a clinical instructor in psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. And um, she's also the training program director of the Center for Neurodevelopmental Services in Massachusetts. And she has developed a program uh, that provides services to individuals with ASDs 
And um, she specializes in sensory processing disorder, and this is an issue that a lot of our children are dealing with. And her um, experience and, and her take on sensory processing disorder is that it really creates a form of chronic stress in our children. It affects their, their learning, their behaviors, their self-esteem, their day-to-day functioning, and she said that, you know, understanding their behavior as a form of communication is a key um, to helping them to deal with their sensory processing disorder. Creating a sensory diet for them throughout the day can be helpful. And um, I had a nice conversation with her on the phone recently, um, and I talked to her about, you know, ways that parents can address this and, and help their kids. And in addition to sensory strategies that she'll be talking about, um, what I really liked about her was that she is very open to uh, biomedical treatment for sensory processing disorder and has uh, a lot of patients who, in addition to working with her through her clinic, also see Dan doctors and are approaching um, approaching this issue as a biomedical issue as well. Good find, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited to meet her. Yeah. All right, I'm um, I'm going to uh, make it into the la- that lecture as well down at NAA. Yes. Well, the National Autism Association has the Family First program. Can you please describe what that is in general, and then how this ties in with what the Giamatos are presenting at the National Autism Conference? Sure. Well, Family First was established because we had so many families that were coming to us whose um, marriages were really in trouble. And, you know, they had a lot of stress put on them financially and emotionally, um, and they were looking for help. So we established the Family First program to try to get some information and resources out to the parents to help them to work together as a team, keep their family intact. Obviously, you know, it's it's better for every family to have two parents um, and to have the support of each other. So we started the Family First program a few years ago, and unfortunately we don't have a lot of funding for this right now, but we can make available um, some DVDs from uh, Dr. Laura Marshak, who um, is a marriage counselor specializing in special needs families, and um, she's written a wonderful book called Married with Special Needs that we can help parents get access to. So we know that, you know, for every family, everybody struggles, but um, keeping that partnership in your marriage strong can make your life so much easier. It's important to us. And we asked Michael and, and Moira Giamatteo to come to our conference and to do a workshop for parents. They have a son with autism, and they've endured a lot of the struggles that we all have and are willing and open, and they're going to be sharing the experiences that they've had throughout the years of their marriage, Um, you know, problems that they've had to tackle together as a couple, and how they managed to get through. So really giving us uh, some coping strategies. I'm excited about that. I like how you cover biomedical aspects through the National Autism Association, research concerns, educating the public about... Uh, biomedical research and treatment, and you also cover all of these very practical daily living aspects that are so important to families, such as keeping their children safe, keeping their marriages together. Um, So thank you for that. So speaking of biomedical, who are some of the biomedical speakers that you're really excited about? 
Um, well, I'm very excited about Dr. Dan Rosignol's presentation this year. His um, session is called Identifying the Biochemical Fingerprint of Autism, Implications for Testing and Treatments. And Dr. Rosignol has a wonderful practice down in Florida um, and treats a lot of children. And he's going to talk about common underlying problems that he's seeing in our kids, <clears throat> kids in his practice. And there are a lot of issues that are very common in our children. They include oxidative stress, mitochondrial dysfunction, which you've probably heard a lot about recently with the Hannah Poling vaccine court case, inflammation, um, exposures to environmental toxins, problems with the immune system, um, viral infections, chronic viral infections, seizures, um, and so what, what Dan is going to teach us is what kind of things we need to be looking for. If we have a child who um, has certain symptoms of autism that are difficult for them, what are the most common underlying medical problems that we need to be testing for? Do we, do we look at mitochondrial dysfunction? Um, if a child has OCD issues, uh, should, we, should we be looking for pandas or chronic strep? Um, so he's going to basically help us find the common biomarkers, and this is another buzzword that we've been throwing around for many years, is biomarkers, because autism is diagnosed simply by observation of behaviors. There's no blood work, there's no lab testing that you do to confirm autism, but if you do confirm certain underlying medical issues, those are things that you can address. And when you address those biomedical issues, lo and behold, your children can get better. So I'm, I'm real happy that he's going to be presenting um, some scientific evidence on what he's found in his practice and how to choose, based on that lab work, the most effective treatments for your own child. Well said, Wendy. That's what brings hope. Are there any other speakers that um, you're also, you know, would like to bring to listeners' attention? Well, certainly our keynote speakers this year are Rodney Peach and Holly Robinson Peach. And I'm thrilled that they're coming to our conference this year. Um, I became a huge fan of Holly when she was on The Celebrity Apprentice, and Rita, too. We were watching every week. Um, but she just has such tenacity. That's, uh, that's the word of the year. Um, her team on Celebrity Apprentice was called Tenacity. And I have to say that autism parents are really the epitome of tenacity. And um, so Holly and Rodney are both going to be there. They're going to talk about their experiences with their son um, who regressed after MMR, developed autism, um, about the emotions involved, um, you know, from Rodney's point of view as a football star and a dad, um, what it was like for him to have his child diagnosed with autism, the effect that it had on their family. Um, and I'm really always happy to hear a father's perspective, and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what Rodney has to say. He wrote uh, a book recently that was published a few months ago called Not My Boy, um, and I think it's going to be great to hear his perspective and wonderful for the other fathers in the audience who can relate to Rodney's experience and um, the importance of being tenacious, moving on, keeping your family together, and fighting for what your child needs. Very good. And if our listeners would like to know about other speakers at the National Autism Conference 
November 11th through 14th at the beautiful Trade Winds Resort in Tampa, Florida. They can visit www.nationalautismconference.org. Well, Wendy and Rita, we know that families love the relaxed, intimate atmosphere to learn and to socialize at the National Autism Conference, but what makes this year's conference even more special? This conference, Terry, it, it's it's our pride always. It's our goal to provide a wonderful educational opportunity for families, but to present it in an environment that makes them feel like they're getting some time to relax and let loose and have a good time. So a lot of our attendees will leave our conference not only feeling empowered with the information that they received, but feeling hopeful and and feeling rested instead of feeling overwhelmed with that brain fog that you sometimes get at conferences. So we're so excited about this location. Um, We're going to be at the Tradewinds Island Grand Resort on St. Pete Beach, which is right outside of Tampa. And this resort is so beautiful. It's uh, certified green by the state of Florida. It's an environmentally friendly resort. Uh, it is, there's a lot of things for families to do there. It's very family-friendly, a lot of fun things for the kids to do. The rooms um, all have a kitchenette, so there are refrigerators and microwaves and silverware and dishes and everything you could possibly need if you have a special diet and you want to bring your own food. There's a grocery store right across the street, so you can buy things that you need. There are several restaurants on site Um, Lots of fun things to do. There's a pub crawl for the parents. Um, All of the attendees are going to receive a discount card that will entitle them to 20% off of uh, all of the restaurants and everything that's on site so they can save money. And what I love about this place is they really make it affordable because even the restaurants that are on the resort don't have the resort prices that you see a lot when you go and stay at hotels. So it'll be very affordable, um, lots of fun things to do, family-friendly. It's even pet-friendly if you want to bring your dog along. And the resort itself is just absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful place to learn and have fun. Great. Well, we will. We hope to see all of you there. And uh, Rita, do you have any closing remarks before we sign off? Not really, except to say I'm just really looking forward to this conference. I think it's going to be great, and everything Wendy said is so true that people do go home with a, um, a lot of new knowledge, but also they're rested, and I think it's going to be a really, really great conference. Okay, excellent. Well, Rita and Wendy, thank you for all of the help that the National Autism Association provides to children and families and for joining us here today to share this very important information. Thank, thank you, you so much, Terry. Well, Lori McElwain's article appears in the next issue of the Autism File magazine, and if you would like a free sample article from a past issue emailed to you, please drop me a line, and I'll be happy to send one. My guests next week are Dr. John and Betsy Hicks. Don't forget to order a copy of the new must-have book for your library, The Age of Autism, Mercury Medicine, and a Man-Made Epidemic by Dan Olmsted and Mark Blacksell available at Amazon.com and many fine bookstores. Mark Blaxel and Dan Olmsted will also be speaking at the National Autism Conference at the beautiful Tradewinds Resort. For questions about this program, please email me at taranga at autism1.org. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
Children's America would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.